We've been doing the podcast for four years now. Wow. That seems weird. <laughs> you know, we do it in our own time. We produce them on our own. We don't have anybody else doing this for us. So, you know, they come out sometimes more than others. But for four years, we have a growing listening audience. Mm-hmm. You know, by now we have thousands of people listening to each episode. When we started, it was, I was excited when I got up to 100 people listening <laughs> to the first mm-hmm. one. And we're thankful for the response we get from people. I just went on yesterday. It's the first time I've done this in a long time. Just to see on Apple Podcasts how many reviews we have. Mm-hmm. And we're up to 102. Oh. I mean, which isn't great compared to other podcasts out there. But we're but, not comparing. I know. But, but I'm just saying, if listeners want to know how can we contribute to help you do more of this, that's one simple way. If they go on and give us, hopefully, a positive rating, Ho- hoping for the positive. then more people <laughs> find us and they make use of the free resources. But a certain percentage of those may you know, do a course or buy something. And that the more we have of people doing that, the more it frees us up to be able to produce it. Because we just do this on our own time. Tim, I have to just say, you're the one that produces it. Well, you guys participate. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> we don't want to take credit for all the work you do. Yeah. I well, mean, he does a lot of work on this. We use our voices. Tim does everything else. <laughs> That's right. We're the talent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. You guys are so talented. Out of five stars on Apple, we're 4.6, which I think is pretty good. You're always going to have people mm-hmm. who don't like it. Sure. But, um most people just give a rating and don't say anything, but there, well, there are a number of reviews that are positive, They're say encouraging positive. things, helpful things. Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, in all the ones I'm looking at, they're all five stars except one that's two stars. Of course, that's the one, <laughs> the one that stands out to me. Somebody did not like us at <laughs> all. Well, so here's the, here's the title of the critical review. Because <laughs> that's what we're going to focus on. <laughs> Speaker is a cheater. Beware. Oh, like, gotcha. You have to warn that I was a cheater. Right. Well, like, in fact, she uses it. As uses you're a, hiding it. Yeah, right. It's a secret. I'm going to reveal something. <laughs> Man, I'm so open about my story. Uh-huh. But the only thing about this is, you know, she uses it in the present tense. I would say speaker was a cheater. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but that's the thing. Is mm-hmm. That's what, you know, he or she is struggling with. Other titles, amazingly helpful, a great resource. I'm gladly I found this on iTunes. Comforting and informative, thoughtful, honest insight, awesome. et cetera. So Yay. we're thankful. Thank that. you, everybody that did that. Yeah, it's and, really, and really... if you haven't posted a review and you're open to doing that, we would love for you uh, to do it. The more people that find out about it, as I say, the more we can produce these sure. things, in theory at least. I mean, yeah. I would love to get to the place where I've got more time freed up because what we put out actually brings in an income that can support it. Mm-hmm. And right now that doesn't happen. Right. You know, we, we have to take a lot of time in doing our counseling and coaching and so forth, which doesn't leave a whole lot of extra time to do other things. But I, my vision is over the next three or four years to create a lot more online content. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if it's helpful to you, support us any way you can. Pass the word along. Let other people know. Well, looking back four years ago, we have a lot of podcasts that we produced in the first year and the second year that were kind of foundational issues that we dealt with. Mm-hmm. And my thinking has always been, well, why repeat what we've already done? But I also find that as new people are finding the recovery room, they tend to listen to the most recent episodes. Very few people are listening to all the podcasts that we did in year one and two. And we actually did many more podcasts in those first two years than we have in the last two years. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of good resource out there. I'd encourage you, if you haven't gone back, at least review those early podcasts. They're the ones that are numbered in the 100s and 200s. 
Well, just because we're up in the 400s now does not mean we've produced 400 podcasts. Just the way I number it, the, the hundreds, the first number indicates what year that podcast came out. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> I just had like a little light bulb moment when you said it. <laughs> See, that's how much me and Jen have to do with the podcast. <laughs> but, but it is impressive when people say, oh, number 400 and something. They've really been busy. Well, we haven't been that busy. Yeah, I just remember looking at those numbers and going, I don't feel like we did that <laughs> at all. Because we didn't. I know. <laughs> well, what I thought would be helpful to do is to go back, and each of us have gone back and picked out two of the podcasts from the first two years that we thought would be beneficial to revisit. So we're going to take time in the next two podcasts, in each one of these, this one and the following one, we will listen to excerpts from three of the previous podcasts, but then talk about them. I just pulled out a little piece of each one, and then we'll just have fresh conversation about them, because I think these are important issues to discuss. Welcome to The Recovery Room, a podcast presented by AffairHealing.com. Here are your hosts, Tim, Sharon, and Jennifer. Let's talk about anger. And here's the introduction from the original podcast that we did. Let's consider how anger can be experienced and dealt with once infidelity has taken place. Now, anger is almost always inevitable. It's a reaction common to nearly everyone who has experienced betrayal. Anger is an emotion that rises up in a natural way because it helps a person feel protected in vulnerable circumstances. It enables a person to be in control of a situation that often feels very much out of their control. Following an affair, anger is expected from the one who's been betrayed. And as time goes on, we often see anger rising up in the one who has been unfaithful as well. Because it is so empowering and such an easy emotion to grab hold of, anger is often the thing we rush to when we feel challenged, when we feel at risk, when we feel insecure. It can be a destructive force, but it doesn't have to be. If anger has become a damaging force in your marriage, you can begin to bring it under control. But more than that, you can begin to use anger in a constructive way, using it to rebuild your relationship rather than to tear it down. Jennifer, you're the one that kind of picked this one out to talk about. I like to look at it as an iceberg. If you think about an iceberg, you typically only see the very tip of the iceberg above the water. Mm -hmm. What you don't see is the majority of the iceberg is actually beneath the water. And if you think about anger as being the tip of the iceberg, there's always something going on underneath it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that's more of those deeper emotions, those more vulnerable emotions like fear and anxiety and worry and hurt and pain. That's usually what's driving that anger response in the body. And if you think about it in terms of infidelity, it makes perfect sense. It's mm. a great hurt. It's a great betrayal. So an anger is that natural response to that. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, it feels like something we can control, the anger. You Absolutely. know what I mean? And, it, and the anger feels very powerful. It's very heightened. And so it feels like, okay, I'm not getting abused somehow by what this person did to me or did in our marriage, but um, I'm able to kind of go, okay, well, you know, and I, none of this is conscious, I don't think usually either. 
this is like mostly this kind of response that is natural for people to do. Uh, it feels much less vulnerable, much, much less like you're going to keep getting hurt if you can snap back with anger. Well, where do you see it show up in the recovery process? With the betrayed partner, it's obvious. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost comes out immediately, uh, sometimes in ways it's never come out of that person before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that a lot of, I'm acting in ways that are not mm-hmm. like me. Mm-hmm. I'm angry and yelling and cursing, and that's not yeah. been who I've been in the past. But because the pain is so great, it almost evokes that even greater response in people that they wouldn't typically Sure. Well, have done in the past. It's it's one of the responses that people have when they are diagnosed with PTSD as well is anger. Like anger that was not normal to them before, that kind of anger. Mm. This is why veterans may come back from combat and they're diagnosed with PTSD. And one of the main symptoms is that they are suddenly becoming kind of abusive to their families. They fly off the handle and they're irate. And it's just part of that, the brain having a survival response of fight, flight, or freeze. And so it's this automatic reaction of, you know, and that's what happens when you've been betrayed by your spouse. So I don't think any of us at the beginning of recovery, when the information is fresh, Mm -hmm. when the trauma is new, Mm -hmm. would have any expectation that the person that is in a rage or very angry, should just settle down and control themselves. Well, uh, sadly, a lot of unfaithful spouses or partners do that, though. They'll say, hey, calm down. Hey, you're being irrational or Mm -hmm. whatever, which, oh, boy, does that make it worse? (laughs) Which makes it worse. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a justified response. You're still responsible for any consequences based on that reaction. But it's absolutely a justified, normal reaction to discovering infidelity or an affair in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, how long can we expect it to go on? I would answer that as a grief stage, really, because the stages of grief, anger is one of them, too. So I think it's probably going to keep coming up in kind of a cyclical thing Mm -hmm. where you're going to think it's gone and then bang, you're angry again. And I think it will do that thing where it gets less and less over time. And as you work toward healing and understanding what's going on. And so the expectation of healing is that anger is diminished and controlled. Yeah. And I think part of that process is being more in tune to the deeper emotions that we talked about in the Mm -hmm. beginning. So Mm -hmm. if I can express to you my hurt and my pain, Mm -hmm. the anger response isn't being triggered. Yeah. And if somebody's there to attune to it, not always, but if they can and they're in that with me, Mm -hmm. that even helps that decrease quicker. Yeah. So I can think of like an example would be if, if you were in a relationship where you had been betrayed and you guys are having a conversation and suddenly you feel yourself getting really angry and where normally in the past since D-Day, you would have lashed out, said a lot of things you didn't mean or you meant, but you shouldn't have said because you're working (laughs) on them. You might catch yourself more and say, oops, here's the anger. What's really going on with me right now? And tap in and just kind of make a, a statement to yourself of when I feel angry, I'm actually feeling and you might say fear. And so yeah. you might say to your partner. So looking at the bottom afraid. part of the iceberg and, and trying to focus on that. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that was the intent in that excerpt that we played when we said anger can actually be used as a help. Yes. Is it when we experience anger or when our clients experience anger to encourage them to, to say, well, start seeing your anger as an indicator. It's the top of the iceberg. It's the bobber on the water, whatever helps them that something else is going on. And start being intentional about taking your consideration and conversations to that stuff underneath. Mm-hmm. I always think of it in terms of, especially from the betrayed partner's perspective, if you want your partner to actually bring comfort and relief to that, you've got to talk about those mm-hmm. deeper emotions. If it's coming out as anger, they're, they're going to 
just act defensively. It's yeah. almost impossible not to. Right. But if you can get to the place of being honest about that other stuff, that at least provides an invitation mm-hmm. to bring comfort and relief to these deeper yeah. pains. Like you could come up and say, I'm sorry, give me a second, and then say, I'm feeling afraid about XYZ, whatever you guys are talking about, and give your partner the opportunity to go, you're feeling afraid, you know, and maybe investigating that further, being curious about it, or, you know, whatever has to happen. But again, you can't invite them in to help you with moving forward if you are not being vulnerable and honest about what's really going on. Two words that came to mind listening to you guys talk. One, in terms of the person at the beginning of the process, that danger of trying to over-regulate anger. Mm -hmm. Stop being angry Mm -mm. when they're just in trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the other extreme of that is as time goes on, over-excusing the anger. Mm -hmm. It's like, I have a right to be angry for as long as I want to be. Buddy, you're just going to have to take it or whatever. Because if I stop being angry, then they get off the hook. And that's not that's not healing when that happens. No, I mean you can do that, but I don't think you're going to find a very close connected relationship on the other side of that. It's mm-hmm. going to continue to affect you. Mm-hmm. But also as an individual, even your health, it can start affecting mm-hmm. if you're letting that rule you and control you and determine your actions towards mm-hmm. others or even your significant other. Yeah, so so helping people see that my anger is a problem. I'm in a place where I can hardly control <laughs> being angry, especially mm-hmm. at the beginning of the process. But I shouldn't get to the place where I just excuse and say, well, whatever. I, I see the anger as something that in my healing, I, I want to be addressed. I want that to go away. It mm-hmm. needs to go away. And if I continue to hold on to it, it's going to be a problem in my life and in the relationship. And conversely, if I continue to work on it, it's going to become less of a problem. Yeah. So We, we haven't talked about how anger shows up in the other partner's oh, yeah. experience. The one who cheated. Mm-hmm. The one who was involved. The unfaithful spouse mm-hmm. or partner. It is responsible for them to kind of override their initial responses to be angry or to be defensive or to be, I think they have to really work, you know, hard to take a deep breath and calm that down and allow their spouse to go through this horrible experience and lash out some. But I think probably I see the anger come in when they get frustrated after a period of time has gone by and they feel like their shame is popping up. Mm. They're embarrassed and ashamed of what they did, but they're not addressing the shame. They're just saying and letting it crush them. And then again, there's the thing, the vulnerability. They feel vulnerable. They feel helpless. They feel scared. They feel sad, embarrassed, and they lash out to try to feel like they're in more control and that they're protected somehow. It seems if fear and hurt are the primary underlying emotions for the betrayed one, then probably shame and a sense of powerlessness Mm-hmm. might be the underlying frustrations mm-hmm. or emotions of the one who had the affair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they can't undo what they did, mm-hmm. so they're powerless to change the past. Yeah, I agree. I understand they're going to struggle with that, and I certainly don't want them to feel attacked and that they are hopeless, that they can't ever become a person that they respect more than they do right now. I don't want them to feel that hopelessness. However, I think that sometimes they err on the side of feeling very justified in that way and feeling that they are attacked and poor me. I think it's kind of a struggle for a lot of them to keep on remembering that their spouse is going through something that is very traumatic. That was a direct result of what they did. And so they have to be able to sit with that Mm -hmm. 
and deal with that. And that leads into, you know, a whole other thing of shame work. I think it's so important that people don't just go, that's tapping into my shame. Stop saying that to me. And then expecting it to be dropped. That's not what we're talking about when we say they're experiencing shame. Shame is, again, a wound that they have to try to get deeper under and work it out and stop feeling ashamed. A couple years ago, I interviewed my two oldest children, asking them to just talk a little bit about their experience of that time when the affair came out, it was a very public thing, and eventually all the stuff that happened that led to the ending of my marriage and the breaking up of our family. And so it was fairly honest discussion from their perspective. Let's listen to just a part of that. I think like there was a tendency for a while for me growing up, like, oh, well, my dad's the one that had the affair. And I, I mean, like Kara was saying, there's been healing where it's like, that's irrelevant at this point in my life. You're not the dad that had the affair. You're just my dad. You're not Avon's grandpa that had the affair. You're just Avon's grandpa. And yeah, there's a, there's a story of all of our lives, but it's totally been healed over. And that's not the defining feature of you at all anymore. We all make mistakes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's what drives me. If there's anything I can do to bring into the marriages and families of other people going through this that can minimize the regret that they have to carry with them for the rest of their lives. I mean, that's what drives me to do what I do. If I can plug in at any place along the way and try to encourage a different kind of thinking and a different kind of outcome, mm -hmm. then that's what drives me to do this. So. Papa. Yeah. I love you. I love you, you and I forgive you and I, I'm grateful that you're you're even doing this, this kind of work. So Yeah, I, I'm I'm thankful I get to do it too. Oh, it's not I'm always sure an easy thing to do. Listening yeah, to you guys no, that's, that's hard <laughs> that's to listen hard. to some of that stuff. But <laughs> yeah, I know. that's I'm the one reason I didn't want <laughs> no, no, very I'm, hesitant I'm to do it. I'm I know. Very thankful I know. you did I'm, I'm open to my story and I, I want I think that's what makes us healthy is that we can be honest and vulnerable in those things. So I appreciate you guys. We love you. I love you too. So that was the experience of my two oldest kids. I want to say I have five children and they each have their own experience, their own story to tell from that. And, and maybe someday some of them will be willing to talk about that and give their perspective of it too. Mm -hmm. I, I want to say there are always wounds in the lives of our children when mm -hmm. infidelity occurs. Mm -hmm. There should never be this understanding that, you know, well, once you get through this, they're resilient, they'll be fine, mm -hmm. n nothing will matter. Mm -hmm. My kids, it's been 20 plus years, all five of my children still carry the scars yep. of what happened. Mm -hmm. And it shows up in one way or another in all of their lives. And I'm thankful for forgiveness, I'm thankful for grace, but it does not negate the wounds and the scars that are there. Mm -hmm. Kids are affected. And I guess I'm saying that to the person, maybe listening to this and is making decisions and if they have children, that part of them that says, you know what, I know this kind of sucks, but when we eventually get through it, kids will be okay, they'll rebound and we'll move on. And, and kids are resilient and they will rebound and mm -hmm. hopefully they'll want to have a relationship with you. But if you think that on the other side of all this, everything is just wonderful and everything is just mm -hmm. fine, that is delusional. Mm -hmm. There yeah. are consequences to this. Mm -hmm. There's pain in all of this. Mm -hmm. So I would also add to that that, number one, 
resilience and wounds exist at the same time. <laughs> so yes, they are resilient. That does not mean that they're going to come through it without any wounds. That's not true. I think the biggest factor in minimizing their wounds, believe it or not, is making a decision, even if that means breaking up your marriage. But I mean, there's value in keeping a family together if that's a possibility. And sometimes it takes a long time to reach that certainty. Mm -hmm. As long as it's you're not exposing your kids to conflict and anger and all right. that sort That's of what stuff. I was going to mention is really how you help them is by trying to not expose them to too much detail. Mm -hmm. You you let them know what's age appropriate for them to know mm -hmm. and to have a relationship with both parents. Mm -hmm. As long as that other person is not abusive or anything like right. that, they, they deserve to have a relationship with both parents, mm -hmm. even if that person made this horrible choice. Absolutely. And that's a hard thing to do, but to, if, if, if parents can agree on any one thing, it should be, we love our children and let's do what we can to protect them. Mm -hmm. Even though all kinds of wounds are being inflicted, mm -hmm. to the best of our ability, let's agree to try to protect our children. Mm -hmm. For the betrayed spouse, I think it's so important to, again, take care of yourself, get professional counseling if you need to, but whatever you do, please don't lean on your children for emotional support. Mm -hmm. When I say that, I don't mean oh, you can't tell them, or oh, when they try to comfort you, blow it off. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying that there are times that I've heard of where the parent who is betrayed is so devastated and they look to their kids and they confide in their kids way too much. Mm -hmm. Don't do that to your kids because it is way too much of a burden to expect children to be able to, yeah. you know, and that sets up a codependent kind of sure. element for your kids where they're always going to feel like, oh, I have the power to make mommy feel better or I have the power to make daddy less, you know, stop crying or something. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's... The primary source of comfort should not be the children. They, no. they will be, they will be a source of comfort, sure. but it shouldn't be looking to that to no. help me heal these wounds. Mm -hmm. That's not fair to mm -hmm. them. You shouldn't be making them make a choice between you and the spouse that had the affair. Right, right. It's... It's not, it's not good for the kids. Yeah, that's probably difficult for the betrayed one because mm -hmm. that is one easy way they know that they can hurt. Yes. They can inflict pain on their partner. Boy, if I can turn our kids against you, then you'll get a, some sense of what betrayal feels and like. And not all people do that. No, but, that, but, no. but some do. Some yeah. do. Some use but them. you have to remember that you're hurting the kids in the process. Oh, oh we gosh, see those yeah. people yeah. as adults yeah. in yes, counseling, we do. don't yes, we? We, do. we hear their stories of what it was like to go through that mm -hmm. as a kid and how it affects them moving on. Mm -hmm. So to the best of your ability, if as a couple, whether you're working together to try to get to a place of, of healing in your relationship or whether you're moving towards separation, whatever disagreements and arguments you have, try to keep those away from the kids. You don't need to expose them to your conflict. And they're, they're going to know that something's wrong, but to have arguments in front of them, be saying harsh and cruel things to each other in front of your kids does not help them at all. It hurts them. Let me be very clear about that. It hurts your children. It does damage to them. Now, things are going to come out and, and you may have to go to them and make amends, talk to talk about that in the future. I'm not trying to put unnecessary guilt or shame, but I am trying to speak to those parents who think I have a right to let it come out. And if my kids are around too bad, it's going to come out anyway. Take responsibility. It's doing damage to your children. So to whatever you can make a choice to agree that, you know, our stuff, we will keep separate from them. What about people who are conflicted about whether to tell their children? 
because it's been hidden the whole time. Mm. Uh, but for whatever reason, and there are legitimate reasons where suddenly it would be maybe better to let the kids know. What do you guys think about that? Because I get that question quite a bit. Should we let our kids know? Or is it actually doing more harm when this big thing's going on and the kids are aware something's going on, but we're hiding it and acting like nothing's going on? <laughs> I, I'm a pretty strong proponent for honesty Okay. when it's necessary. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even when it's not necessary, if your kids are old enough, sure. they can benefit from lessons of forgiveness right. and failure and mm -hmm. redemption and all that sort of stuff. But kids usually already have some greater insight oh, yeah. into what's going on oh, and, totally. and, and, yes. and at least guessing some things that are a lot more than parents, you right. know, believe. Right. Even teenagers that you feel like hate you, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and are in their room 90% of the time, they can tell what's going on yeah. too. They're everybody, all children are perceptive. So I, I think it's appropriate with younger children just to have open conversation, both parents involved in this, asking, do you have questions, making it very clear that there's an open door to conversation. Mm -hmm. It's a safe place to talk about. It's not inappropriate. Mm -hmm. But parents should be the one introducing those yes. conversations. Right. And you think both parents together, that would be the best? I think together if possible, mm -hmm. but they should not speak for the other. Right. The betrayed one should not speak for the betrayer. Mm -hmm. That person needs to speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. But yes, to go in and to continuously invite that kind of conversation, periodically going in and initiate those kinds of talks some children are going to jump right into it. Others will, you know, I don't need to talk anything about, about that right now. Give assurance and comfort to them. Mm -hmm. You don't have to force the issue. Right. But certainly make it known that it's okay to talk about mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. For years ahead, that's going to be okay to talk about right. this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, as they get older, they may begin to understand more. They may go back and start thinking about the time that mom and dad were arguing. Mm -hmm. What did that mean? And so they might want to ask you about it. If the affair is completely unknown, I don't think that has to be told to the children especially younger children. But I think parents should be open to, especially down the road when their children might be experiencing their own failures or problems, to be able to step in and say, here's how we experience failure. Here's how I experience failure. This is what it looks like to heal. This is what it looks like to forgive. This is what grace in our lives looks like. Those are powerful messages that probably would mean a lot more to a child at that stage than a parent that says, be like me. I've always been perfect. You yeah, know? Right. <laughs> so as parents, as a couple, you may not be cooperating on much of anything right now, but this is one thing that we would encourage you to cooperate together on. Another earlier podcast dealt with the issue of forgiving an affair. And that was a discussion that Jennifer, you and I had about yes. that. Let's mm -hmm. listen to just a piece of that. You and I have talked a lot about this. I think you agree that forgiveness is one of those things that comes up a lot. Sure, absolutely. So people have a lot of ideas about what forgiveness is or what's expected of them mm -hmm. or what it means if they're going to forgive somebody. What is forgiveness? Well, for me, I, I believe forgiveness is a choice that you make to move forward without holding on to anger and resentment regardless of what the other person has done or chooses to do in the future. Yeah, and I know that that kind of definition is probably discouraging and disheartening to a lot of people because sure. they don't want to just make a choice. No, they there's just want this, a feeling. Well, yeah, well, there's this pain here mm. and there's this offense that was done against them and they want some hope that there's going to be some resolve to that. Mm. Not that I'm just going to have to accept this cruel thing and somehow stumble forward. Forgiveness is not forgetting what was done to you. 
Mm. It doesn't mean because you choose to forgive, you then forget. And it no longer affects you at all for the rest of your life. I think a lot of people that come from a religious background may have in mm. mind that there's a verse in the Bible that talks about the forgiveness of God and I remember your sins no more. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of somehow forgiveness means that it should never come to mind again. Right. And so if I say I forgive you and the next morning I wake up and I feel the hurt and it turns to anger, then obviously I haven't forgiven you. Yeah, I don't think that's a reasonable expectation. Okay. Unless I agree. They develop a surgery where you can go remove specific <laughs> memories, sure. right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to forget what happened to you, nor are you going to forget the decisions that somebody else made that hurt you. Yeah, neither do I think even the Bible says that God somehow has a lobotomy. Right. You know, it's not that he never can think about it anymore. It's the choice we make about that past offense that makes the difference. Right. So it's not forgetting. It's not excusing or justifying either because I forgive you doesn't mean what you did was okay. Well, I think a lot of times that's the feeling. People, well, mm -hmm. if I forgive this person, then I'm somehow excusing what they've done. Forgiveness isn't either saying that what they did was okay, what their behavior was okay. It's learning to let go of the emotional anger and bitterness that was a result of what they did. Easier said than done. Sure. So hopefully, absolutely. Hopefully, as we talk through this, we can be of some help to people understanding how to get through that mm -hmm. process. So it's an issue that comes up a lot. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think it's one of the most important issues. Mm -hmm. Even if mm -hmm. the marriage doesn't survive, you need as an individual to work towards forgiveness of the other person. Absolutely. Forgiveness does not exonerate the person for what they did. It doesn't require anything from the other person, actually. It's what you do for yourself so you can move forward in a way that's healthy and not holding on to anger and resentment and bitterness. Mm -hmm. If you have somebody working with you, maybe makes it a little bit easier if they're doing their work. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that, that brings us to the distinction that we really try to make the difference between what it means to forgive someone and trust them. Mm -hmm. I think some people think that if I forgive them, then everything's okay and mm -hmm. I have to trust you again. And some betrayers... That's how they think of it. Oh, mm -hmm. if you say you've forgiven me, then why are you questioning me about something? Why are you still why? being triggered? Yes. Yeah, really, I know. <laughs> you why must are not you have still forgiven. That, those are completely different things. Yeah. You can forgive someone 100% and never trust them again. Absolutely. I believe that's true. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. But you say it's part of healing is getting to a place of forgiveness. If you really want to heal and move on, you have to be able to let go of the pain and the hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and to quote my favorite person ever, Oprah, she says, forgiveness <laughs> Is letting go of the hope the past could be any different. Yes. So there's a certain amount of acceptance that has to come mm -hmm. into the fact that it's part of your story, mm -hmm. whether the marriage survives or not. Mm -hmm. And either that story, that chapter is going to define you if you hold on to it, or it doesn't have to if you're mm -hmm. able to move towards forgiveness. Right. And a lot of times people think that forgiveness is just this one moment. They wake up and they're just forgiven this other person. And I don't think that's realistic mm -hmm. either. It's not necessarily a feeling like we mentioned a few minutes ago. It's a choice that you make. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that choice has to be made in small moments of I'm, I'm choosing to forgive the fact that you did this. Mm -hmm. And then I'm choosing to forgive the fact that you did that. It doesn't have to be this one huge chunk of forgiveness either. Yeah. You mentioned that the other day. I thought that was a really good way to look at it instead of you know, when am I supposed to forgive? And we see it as this one decision or one choice I eventually get to. There's a lot of things to forgive. Mm -hmm. So maybe you forgive them in pieces. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I forgive this, I forgive that. Mm -hmm. And eventually 
everything that's involved, I've dealt with what forgiveness means. I've used the metaphor before that it's kind of like trying to catch a greased pig. You know how they used to do that at fairs? Forgiveness is tricky. I mean, it is tricky. And I think we just do the best we can is what we do. As long as you're willing to forgive and you're willing to keep working your way through it, I think eventually you do get there. You just don't give up and you just don't sit in the pain and Mm -hmm. sit in the anger anymore. You just keep choosing to forgive over and over as many times as it takes. And the thing is, again, I think it looks different as it progresses through. Well, do you think there's any offense that is beyond forgiveness? I think that would be different depending on your own story and maybe your own wounds. I don't know that's anything across the board. That I mean, I if you heard someone say, a client say to you, you know, I'll never forgive that. Mm-hmm. So then I'd say that you need to move to acceptance. If forgiveness is too big of a word and it feels too heavy, then you have to accept that it happened and that you have to live with that. And how you move forward is really what's going to be important. Mm -hmm. You're going to move forward and never let it go and always remember and always stay in the anger. That's only hurting yourself. It is. It's toxic. Maybe what they're actually doing is a form of forgiveness. But by they're not accepting. calling it that. Yeah, by accepting. Yeah, yeah you sure. Know what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is part it of my happens. past. It's never going to change. I can't let it keep controlling me. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, I've got to let it be that part of the past that's in the past and let go of it. I will accept it. Mm-hmm. I may never forgive it. I think from the way I define forgiveness, they're probably so acting I, in forgiveness yes. <laughs> in a certain mm-hmm. way. But, but maybe it's easier to think about it that way. But, mm-hmm. And it's not accepting that it was okay. Just right. want to make that, forg- yes. make that Forgiveness clear. is never declaring that wasn't yes. a bad thing. No. no. Yes. And I think the one part we maybe we didn't mention in the previous podcast is the self-forgiveness piece yes. for the partner who had the affair. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're doing the work and you're really trying to live consistent with who you are and who you want to be, you need to move to a place of forgiving yourself for the choices you made. Exactly. Or else you stay stuck in the shame and, and the guilt. Sure. And that only brings up its own right. issues in the relationship. So I think that's an important piece, too, is what does it mean to forgive yourself for making the choice to have an affair? Absolutely. And if you don't forgive yourself, you aren't acting in in vulnerability again. Mm -hmm. You're acting in this way of putting up a wall. I can't face what I did. I can't look at it. And if you can't do that, one of the books I'm going through right now, Mindful Self-Compassion, one of the quotes in there was, you can't heal what you can't feel. And I thought, well, that's nice because it's really true. If you're not letting yourself feel it, you're not letting yourself go to the shame and say, okay, what's going on here? How do I dive into this and figure out what's causing it and help myself heal from it? You will never actually be that vulnerable, connected person to your your partner that you want to be. Mm-hmm. So it can stand in the way. If you do not forgive yourself, it will stand in the way. We hope our conversations have been helpful to you. We've put together additional links and resources to go along with the issues we talked about in this podcast. To find those, go to affairhealing.com slash podcast 406. Thank you for listening. The Recovery Room Podcast is a resource provided by affairhealing.com. For more information about the podcast and resources for affair recovery, including archives of past programs and the schedule for upcoming ones, please go to affairhealing.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Tim Tedder. See you next time.